You're listening to Rocks Across the Pond, the curling podcast that goes around the globe looking for the best stories in the world's coolest sport. We have curling news and views for everyone, whether you're playing in your Thursday league or following your favorite teams on tour. Now here are your hosts, Ryan McGee and our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. Hey everybody, welcome to Rocks Across the Pond. It's a curling podcast coming to you from Richmond, Virginia. My name is Ryan McGee and joining me once again in Southampton, England is our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. Jonathan, I am glad that you are back home safely and apparently COVID negative like eight times at this point, right? Eight times, but I've been pinged now in the NHS app. So I have to do another seven tests, one a day for the next week. Good times, but so far you're so far you're over on 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 those tests, right? Well, over in a good way. I think yeah. <laughs> there was the I can't remember which night it was, but basically by by the second night we were testing every night, and there was one night where we honestly thought we might have COVID, and that was like quite stressful. Um, I, I'm sure like, there was someone I started testing all the teams, so I, I'm quite I'm quite uh, used to getting the line next to the sea now. So you are you are back home, and if you missed our previous episode, please go listen to it. We talked to Jonathan and his the team that he coaches, the English Junior Men's Team, from their from their rooms in Loya, Finland, right after the World Junior Bees had been canceled due to an outbreak of COVID-19 among the competitors. And today we have a guest that was caught up in that. Uh, he is uh, Stefan Sever, and he is the coach of the Slovenian team. So, and Jonathan was Slovenia was one of the teams that um, had to withdraw even before the the tournament itself was canceled, correct? I, I got very confusing. I think they, so basically the policy was if someone on a team reported a positive test on a lateral flow, then the whole team was put into quarantine and they all had to take PCR tests. And then if somebody tested positive on a PCR, then the team was disqualified. I, I think basically what happened is by the Thursday Six teams have basically been disqualified. I think Slovenia is that last wave of disqualifications, and that's when they pulled the plug on the event. Yeah, very, very unfortunate, and we hope that everyone is uh, is doing fine. Stefan um, never really had really any symptoms, um, even after he tested positive, and he'll go into that. He'll go into his... Uh, his team's ordeal there at the World Junior Bees. But mostly um, what I found really interesting was we talked to him about curling in Slovenia, which was my favorite part of our conversation with Stefan. All right, we are joined by, and I'm going to try really hard, Stefan Sever. All right, and you are the coach of the Slovenian junior team that is currently quarantining in Loya, Finland. Is that right? Uh, kind of right. Uh, they already went home. Oh, they did. Oh, no, they left you. <laughs> yeah, because there are some new rules. Um, and if they contacted the, the airline and the Slovenian government, they were able to go home. They gave the, the permission with negative PCR test. And they're home now. And still all negative. 
So, hey, why are you stuck in, in Finland? Because I was a positive case, but I was positive for two days. Okay. You Oh, so you were you the positive case for, for your team? Oh, yes. Oh, you were the only one? Yeah. And then they were, and then they had to quarantine because of, of close contact? Yeah, but only for a day. Okay. And then they were able to left, to leave. So, now, so how long, how much longer do you have... Uh, there, there in Finland before you get to go home? I'm not quite sure because at first they said 10 days, so that mm-hmm. would be until the 15th, and then a PCR, and then I could go home. But then they said there's new rules from yesterday or today, which allows you to test on the PCR after five days or the sixth day and then leave. So if this will be in place now, then I hope, since I'm negative on the quick test, go to the PCR tomorrow or on the 10th and then leave on the 11th. So hopefully hopefully not too much uh, too much time left for you there in, uh, in Kisikalio. Um, yeah. Hopefully. We, before we get into curling there in Slovenia, because we, we, we want to hear more, more about curling in Slovenia and about the team you're coaching and about your men's team too, because you're, you're what, you're the skip for the, the current men's national team for Slovenia too, right? Yeah, there's a difficult situation with it because mm-hmm. we had a qualification for the men's national team two years ago, mm-hmm. even more now. And the team that won that went to this year's Europeans, but we won it last year. so in last May and we went to the qualification event because they just prolonged their their time as a national team because the Europeans were cancelled that year. Okay. Mm. All right. So but before we get into that, we do want to know more about you. Can you just let everyone know um where where are you from and what was it like growing up there? Uh I'm from Slovenia and I'm from like a, a region called uh, Gorenska and a small village called Blaiska Dobrava. It's in um, northwest Slovenia. So I have half an hour to either Austria or Italy. And, well, even less to to Austria. And also, yeah, Italy is like 40 kilometers, but there's not no highway to there. Um, but it's a really beautiful part because we have a lot of mountains, lots of... Uh, lakes so alpine lakes and uh, it's really nice in the winter for skiing and stuff and also in the summer so like, what kind of things did you do growing up uh, i did all sorts of uh, sports basically i was always more more of a sports person than uh, an artistic person i definitely don't have any artistic talent <laughs> not singing um, that everyone would agree on that heard me think even though i like to sing um, also, I'm a horrible, horrible drawer. I can even barely uh, write nicely, so <laughs> that that can be a problem sometimes. But yeah, I always did sports. I started ski jumping when I was five. Oh, wow! So I did that for twelve and a half years. During it, uh, I also started curling. So I did both for six years together, and then just curling. Um, otherwise, I just did every other sports you can think of, but just for fun. I never trained anything else. And I got through school, uh, primary school, and then in the high school, that's for us, is from the 10th year of school. So from when you're 15 to 18. So four years of that, I did it for 
tourism and uh, yeah, basically tourism. And then uh, I'm in sports uni now, so I'm studying sport coaching. Oh wow, cool! So that so that's what you do now. You're a university student. Yeah, I'm a student for sport coaching. It's I'm in my last year now of the graduation. So uh the first part of it and then i'll see what i'll do later but i'm also now doing uh, uh ski jumping coaching and curling coaching and also i'm a instructor in an adrenaline park in a zipline oh wow That's oh wow fantastic. man so so have you always been like a thrill seeker kind of i mean you kind of yeah, have to be to get into ski jumping right <laughs> exactly you don't get into ski jumping if you're not a thrill seeker and when I when I stopped, I even I had some problems sometimes with the adrenaline hormone because I was just lacking it. Wow! I I just need some adrenaline all the time. Either is it uh, diving into the water from ten meters or ski jumping or some fast skiing or anything. So I mean, how on earth does that translate to curling? Curling doesn't exactly uh, match up with with, with those pursuits. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, it's the excitement of the, I'm a skip and I'm always been a fort. So um, it's the exciting of the pressure, basically. Okay. That's why I love playing fort. That's the adrenaline that I have in curling. And sometimes some adrenaline when I almost fall, um, if a stone hits me or something, <laughs> but that's about <laughs> it that we get the adrenaline from. But I get it otherwise. In curling, it's just so much in the mind and also in the in the physical that in combination of that is just great for me all right so so what do you think people need to know about slovenia if you're just talking to someone from say north america or asia who hadn't heard of didn't know much about slovenia and basically uh, slovenia is in middle europe a bit more southern it used to be part of uh, yugoslavia so together with other balkan nations uh, croatia serbia bosnia uh, montenegro and uh, Macedonia, um, but we're a very different country. We're a small country, only two, 2 million people and 20,000 square kilometers, but we have everything. We have 47 kilometers of coast, which is not a lot. We have lakes, we have high mountains, uh, as we're just a bit of part of the Alps. We have uh, fields, we have from, from A to Z about the the uh, the relief and uh, the the natural things in Slovenia. We have waterfalls. We have everything, but not a lot of anything. And so, what what sports are popular there? Is it like football, or is it basketball, or uh, or and is yeah. there any Winter Olympic sports that are popular there? Yeah, uh, traditionally, uh, skiing and ski jumping are the two national sports of Slovenia. Also, then of course, all the the team sports are very popular, so basketball, volleyball, handball, uh, football, uh, ice hockey. The football is the thing we're worst at. Um, we've been to two World Cups and one European Championship, but the last World Cup was 2010, and we haven't been really good since then. I was going to say, the only thing I know about Slovenia <laughs> is they were drawn into the same group as the United States in 2010. and Yeah, uh, and England. And England and one, <laughs> the U.S. needed two very late goals in order to oh, yeah. tie, manage a draw against Slovenia, and then two, Slovenia would have gone on if not for the miracle Landon Donovan goal that they had late against yeah. Algeria. 
and he was also the one who scored both against Slovenia, I think. And it was like a 93rd minute goal over the the head of Handanovic. <laughs> My bringing up bad childhood like, memories. Yeah, I was like, how didn't he save that? But it's so close and so high. But I was little. I was 11. <laughs> so I, what do I know? But yeah, um, lately, um, the, those sports still go on. We were um, what European champions in basketball in 2017. Oh, wow. uh, we were fourth in this year's Olympics, even though it was the first time Slovenia got to the Olympics. Uh, we were second, the last two European championships in volleyball, uh, A-group sometimes, Olympics in uh, hockey. Second, I think, once on the world's handball or Europeans, third in the Europeans. But lately, the two sports that really started uh, to grow a lot are basketball because of Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and cycling because of uh, Primoz Roglic and Tadej Pogacar who are the two best cyclists in the world at the moment so now those two sports came to the forefront of it How did you get into curling? What, so you started off ski jumping which is you said one of the national sports so so how did you transition from that to curling? Yeah that is a jump from, jump from a national sport to a never heard of before sport <laughs> So uh, my parents were one of the starters of our club, Kodi uh, Klubisenice, and they started in 2010 after the, the Winter Olympics in Vancouver. So they formed the club in March on, or August. At the same time, they also formed two clubs in Ljubljana, so our capital. They made a federation, and the first thrown stone was only in... August or September, but they, we had a federation for six months before, mm. but nobody has ever thrown a stone. And <laughs> at first, the practices were at 10, 11 o'clock in the evening uh, on Thursdays. So I definitely wouldn't be able to go because of school. <laughs> uh, but I started a year later. We moved those to Friday at around 10, 10, 10 p.m. And from then on, yeah, I just joined because they were there, and then I started having pa- uh, fun and bring my friends. My first team was three of my schoolmates. Even at the Europe, uh, the uh, Olympic qualification, one of them was my schoolmate, one of them was my brother, one was his schoolmate, and one was from Ljubljana. <laughs> so you started to kind of go into the history of curling in Slovenia there. So I guess it's got started there after the 2010 Olympics. What can you tell us? You know, are there are there any dedicated curling facilities in Slovenia, and ha- how many curlers do you have now? Uh, we have about 150 curlers. Okay. I don't really know. I don't think I even met them all. <laughs> Um, because yeah, not everyone comes to the the nationals. Not everyone has a team even, mm-hmm. and also the nationals are always start through the week, and then most a lot of people don't have time. Also this year with COVID, some people were scared. Some people didn't want to get tested, and mm. didn't or weren't vaccinated, and it was they were not able to play. But yeah, I think it's about 150, but I don't really know. And so how many teams entered your nationals then? This year, I'm, I think it was 12 teams. 
12 teams. Say just to like the men's or men's and women's? Oh, men's and women's. Is wow. Like, wow. And wow. The women's, yeah. That's really big. <laughs> well, but um, everyone can join. So you don't have to be in a certain level. So Still. a lot of teams are... One team I knew began curling a month before. <laughs> wow. Still, you had 12 teams sign up for nationals for Slovenia. That's yeah. pretty impressive. That's something you guys the should be proud of. The most was 15, I think. And seven. Wow. Oh, eight women. Eight women team at, at some time. Still, oh, wow. Awesome. Nationals. But the juniors was only two teams. Okay. <laughs> okay. And three girls teams, so at least that. That's good. And are, are all of the clubs playing on shared ice with ho- hockey ice or figure skating ice, or are there any dedicated facilities there? Uh, yeah, uh, so we have shared ice with hockey players. Okay. We play actually in three arenas in Slovenia, once in Ljubljana, so the capital ones are down, which is called Tisinice, and one is um, Velenje. There they have an open ring, but in a balloon. And mm-hmm. their um, curling is quite high because one of the guys in curling is president of some club or something, I don't know. Uh, but also they don't have a proper hockey team and stuff. So it's the others are just for fun. Here um, it is in Itza, it's hockey is the sport number one in our town. They Everybody, it's, it's all catered to them. So we have... Maybe two trainings a week, one in the evening, one one Friday evening, one uh, Sunday morning. But if that if they have a game, they're just it's just cancelled and we don't have a different one. But um, in Ljubljana, it's maybe a bit better, but not a lot. Uh, also two two times per week. But we do have in Planica, so the home of ski jumping and also cross country skiing. Now there is a garage for cross-country skiing. So for in the summer, they have cross-country skiing in there, about 600 meters. It's, and it's minus three, minus four in there. <laughs> and from basically, there is a ski, ski flying competition in March. After that, when they put all the snow in, we can make a sheet, uh, a curling sheet in there. And we have it from, I guess, May um, to, middle of november so basically in the off season but for us that's the main training season Hmm. and that is a dedicated uh curling sheet but it's a bit small i mean the length is right but the width is just about the house just around Hmm. the house maybe at some points a bit more it's something a bit less because on one side it's straight on the other one it's not Uh, and also it's too cold in there It is too cold in there to make it, but we tried this year. Uh, the ice was usually quite good. We had four feet of curl on one side, uh, three, two and a half on the other, because it was different from each side of the center line because of the on one side it was snow, on the other it was a wall. <laughs> and, you'll, have to, uh, you'll have to send us pictures of this so we can share it out. I will send it. Yeah, it's it's a. Nice thing to see, but it's um, not the best for killing. But it's good to practice. The thing is, the problem is, once the guards are not on the center line, it's hard to come around because you're in the wall. <laughs> so that that can be a bit of the problem. If they're on the center line, okay. If they're a stone white, 
on the side that that curls it can already become a problem and but the the, the speed was okay of the of the stones but yeah i mostly do the ice there before training so we use it four times a week i guess what aside so aside from this like single sheet what what because that sounds pretty unique is there, is there other things that are unique about curling in slovenia or slovenian curling culture well um i think we're one of the only ones that actually buy drinks at competitions because okay. <laughs> even if we go to european men's and stuff we always buy drinks if we win and uh, there's not many people who who, who got us drinks after we lost so I'm yeah. sure we're one of the only ones we do that. And I think it's not just our team. I think the others do it as well, usually. Sometimes we bring our own beer with us uh, on the men's because when we were in Switzerland, it was just expensive and we rather had our own. <laughs> hey, let's go around the corner, we pay you there. But um, yeah, um, I think that's quite unique. Also, even though I said earlier that I uh, don't know everyone, we know most of us. And you can talk to the higher-ups in the nation, whoever you are. They will know you, and you'll be able to sort stuff out. So it sounds like your bond spiels are really fun. Are there any like annual bond spiels that you guys host there in Slovenia that you recommend people come to? We have one. It's an end-of-the-season one, so it's definitely a fun one. We usually have a um, junior nationals mix, men's national, another mix. And then we have the, the Bonspiel. Last year it was just end of May, but if it's all okay with uh, everything else, it should be back to the April. So I think it's it's the last or second to last weekend in April. It's called Ljubljana Open. It's 30 teams usually. And uh, the last non-COVID year, uh, Peter de Cruz won it. So from the swiss national team and yeah there's a lot of um foreign teams i think it's a limit of 10 slovenian teams or something it's a high quality and you can drink a lot if you want to because it's <laughs> end of the season and everybody loses up loosens up yeah all right that sounds like a lot of fun yeah everybody that was here enjoyed it for now so what's the best international results Slovenia has ever had? Well, in the men's, it was in 2015 or, yeah, I think it was 2015. They were, I mean, they won twice the the C group European that I never played in the C group, but in the B group, they got in 2015 fifth place or well, shared fifth and sixth. So they were third in the group. And then they have some kind of playoffs and they were fifth. And in the in the juniors, we were uh, fifth in Estersund. And we were like maybe an inch or even less away from the quarter for the semis with a double takeout. But hmm. um, because we didn't win, uh, win that, we were able to go to the EOF, so European Youth Olympic Festival. We got a third place there. So... If you would look at from other sports, you would say this is the bigger, the biggest. If someone from the Olympic Association of Slovenia would look this, they would say this is the biggest uh, success that we have. And then uh, they were also in the quarters and the World Mixed Championship, but mixed teams. 
And how does how does funding work for you guys? Do you guys get I mean, is there any funding available to the curling teams in Slovenia from either the the Olympic um Olympic Association or from the Slovenian Curling Association? Or is it mostly out of pocket for you guys? Well, from the Olympic Association, the only funding we really had was for the EOF. The rest, the other competitions, there was no funding, but we did have mm-hmm. a scholarship from the Olympic Committee that we got with the third place in EOF. Or we had it for two years. So that was the funding from the Olympic Committee and from the from the national association from the national curling association it's it's getting better we used to have only the banquets paid and the pins and the badges um but now um we have we have the i think the kids are paid for and this year a part of the part of the stay so of the accommodation they'll pay for they paid for COVID tests and they built, they paid a bit for, for our flights to Erzurum for the Olympic qualification. So it's getting better, yeah. But until now, everything was out of our own pockets. Mm-hmm. And for the last two juniors, I think they paid the costs for the coaches. So the coaches don't get paid, but they don't have to pay anything for accommodation and stuff. Do you want? Do you mind talking with us a bit about your? your experience the junior bees this year with covid just because i mean so just for the background uh the reason i did this is uh so stefan was in the the quarantine hotel and i was walking past with joe it was about 20 minutes before the event was canceled he started yelling at me i didn't realize that you were the one who was in quarantines <laughs> you also said you were very bored so and you had to stay there for a bit so do you mind do you mind just telling us your whole experience with that at this event uh yeah um it's it's a weird one. I said uh, for a first coaching experience is definitely not a common coaching experience. <laughs> first when I got I was I came to the uh, when we got to the championship at first I was acting like normal. Then the first game came in I was like wait, I don't have to warm up. I just changed <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> I have to put the team in. I'm not used to that. And also coach uh, sitting on a coach bench I've never I've never done that in my life so it was different said it was, it's a whole different level of nerves for me it was um i'm never that nervous when i'm playing because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have no control yeah exactly you can't do anything i was just i would do that but i can't do anything <laughs> and it's always i wish i could be playing but no <laughs> and then um it was the first positive test from the hungarians we we're like Okay, I guess he got it from home. Because then I haven't seen anyone uh, be with them. So I said, okay, might not be anyone else. I'm just hopeful no one else gets it. And then it was Taipei and was like, Oof. not the best because um, they they were living right across my room. said, mm. we have to be careful now, but it was already a bit late, I think. I think it's just the doorknobs and stuff. And if you're not careful enough with uh, sanitizing your hands or something, but I don't know. I don't know if I even caught COVID or it was just just a reaction from my body because I got um, the third jab quite recently and it was like, oh, 
COVID anti antibodies because I'm already negative. So I was like, maybe it was it just detected it and put some antibodies or something because I think I was positive for two days. But yeah, then I got a positive quick test on the fifth because we had to test because so they got positive. Uh, went to get a PCR and was moved to the quarantine hotel. Um, and then we got a in the morning. I we already had a PCR. It said positive and. Mm. Like ugh, I have to stay here and first what for me ten days for the team five days and then test, but luckily they were able to to go home, and I might be able to go home earlier. But at first it was like I, I felt so bad, but not physically. Physically I was fine. I just felt bad about how how many people um, will suffer from this, but not suffer from COVID, but suffer from isolation, suffer from the tournament being cancelled. And I felt uh, partly responsible for it being cancelled, even though I did try my best to not hang out with people to to do the safety precautions, but you can never be too careful, somehow got it. And yeah, I really felt uh, myself to blame for, for the, the cancelling and for my teammates having to stay here, especially because one of them had uh, an exam of the day. We had the uh, PCR, so he couldn't uh, get the exam. He should have had mm-hmm. it online, but I think he sorted something out and there would be more missed exams if they had to stay here. So what what was your impression of like how, how the WCF handled everything, all the, the protocols beforehand and then the decisions to, to quarantine people and the, the cancellation decision? Well, I think it could have been handled better. I think from the start, every day we should have had tests. Tests mm-hmm. are not expensive anymore. They also don't hurt and take zero time. I think if we got everyone got tested every day, it would help. I think the just gave we could they could have given everyone a quick test for every day. Please test. Even if you don't have to upload, just please test and be, be fair. I think it would help uh, because I knew some people were feeling ill and didn't uh, test. I won't mm. name anyone, but I think that could be a problem then because if you, they would test every day, I think it could have been better. But they are doing that for the for the world qualification event, okay. so they've learned that. And also with the with the student rooms, it can be a bit problematic because um because you do touch the same things you don't have it every room for itself like in the hotel which is safer for sure and also the wi-fi that we had in our rooms was terrible so we had to be in the like lounge of the student block to be able to do schoolwork. so yeah but that's just unlucky coincidence i don't think they have enough hotels for everyone so it's just it's a situation where if you're not testing every day, then you're relying on people to kind of be truthful and say, okay, I'm not feeling well, I need a test. But whereas if you're just testing everyone every day, then no one has a choice and everyone's being treated the same. You see the asymptomatic. If mm-hmm. we wouldn't get tested, I wouldn't know, for example. Mm-hmm. So everybody should test every day, I think, because it was just test when you come and that's it. But test when you come, it's... You could have gone it on the flight and then be yeah. here till the eight and wouldn't know. 
it's uh, I will I will say it's relatively inexpensive, but it does add up because you've got one hundred about a hundred people there, right, for the men's side of the the junior bees, and so you do one hundred for what eight days? That's eight hundred tests. That's that add, that does add up. Yeah, but I mean, I I have I got the fifteen tests at home for free. Yeah, I could have brought them for I get them every month. I could have brought them for half oh, wow. of the people here if they ask. Because the students get 15 tests per month man. free in Slovenia. So oh, there's five of us. They could have gotten it for the last three months. That would be enough for the whole event almost. Man, I need that <laughs> here in the US. <laughs> so, yeah, we could have brought 250 tests here for free. Man, tests are like yeah. contraband where I am. <laughs> no, here the, the self-tests, self-tests we get yeah, 15 per month man. for free. <laughs> And then you said um, no one else on your team tested positive and that you're feeling well. That's amazing. That's awesome. Um, I, I mean, other than that, like, is it just, I mean, what's life like been in quarantine? Is it just kind of a mental, that just the mental aspect is the main thing being there in that, <laughs> that little room there in, in Kisikalio? Yeah, I'm, I'm a very sociable, sociable person that uh, I think you should know because I, <laughs> I do talk to everyone that I see, um, the English guys, of course. And when I saw you, I was talking to you already. And yeah, I'm, I'm talking, I like to talk to people. So it's hard for me to be alone, but I I am talking with people online and stuff. And it's, it's, I'm not used to sitting all day to lying all day, but since I'm feeling good and the rules allow me, I go for a walk uh, for an hour and a half and it's better. I do some trainings in the, in the room. I have an elastic bands and I can do some sit-ups, push-ups and stuff. So it makes it a bit easier physically and mentally. Yeah. At first I was really mentally scared. I said, how will I be alone 10 days? Mm. I'm not alone. Um, I'm not used to being alone and I don't like to be alone, but it's okay. It's a bit of a mental vacation, not from people, but from uh, things I have to do. <laughs> because I'm used to going uni, then ski jumping to practice, curling practice, do some uni work, go to sleep, just eat in between tight schedules. Now there's no schedule. I just <laughs> sleep, eat, do whatever I want, whenever I want. So it's a bit of relaxation, maybe vacation, but mm-hmm. I think the whole tournament would be the vacation. For me, the biggest vacation this year was the the Olympic qualification. One game a day, nothing other. So easy. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your junior team that you're coaching and just what their experiences what their experience was like preparing for this tournament and then um the short time that you did get to play there in, in finland well um i would put my junior team into three parts one is uh, bin and jakob who were my teammates as well so they trained a lot during the summer um they trained with me mostly um, and they've been training a lot last year and everything. So for the, for the juniors, they didn't have any special preparation. They were just training from there and then they had a lot of uni stuff. So they didn't, they trained less after the Olympic qualification than before because they have more stuff now, but um, then it's Brin. So our second. He was training also with us in the summer and they tried to play together a bit just for the juniors to see um, because his brother also played in my team. Um, and he's also playing for 
curling as long as I did, for as long as I do. And he was here at the juniors in 2014, so eight years ago when he was nine. Oh, and wow. He was the youngest wow. player ever or something like that, or close to it. Um, so he's quite experienced, but didn't play a lot the last few years. And then we have uh, Arlit and an alternate, so Max and Nate. Uh, it was the first tournament for them. The, the eyes were very big. Um, a lot of excitement. So it's them who are most um, disappointed about, about the cancellation of the event. But they're young. They're 13 years old. They have a lot of time in the juniors. But they trained, yeah. We took them with us a bit in the summer to some trainings to Planica. We, I worked with them or my... My mom, who was the other coach, worked with them if I was working with the girls at the time because I was working with both teams uh, for the juniors. And um, yeah, we we went for a few trainings now in Italy, the last in December, one in the start, one at the end of December, because that's the closest uh, curling ring to us. We wanted to attend a junior tournament in Austria, but it got cancelled. But the rest, um, it was definitely the least of the preparation we've done for the juniors in a long, long time. Because the last few years, that was our main focus this year. It wasn't. And also the team was really new. I don't think they played more than a game together before the, the, the tournament. Mm. But here they played good against Brazil. Then the second game was already cancelled against Hungary. And I was really proud of their character against Denmark. Because we were losing 4-0 and they did a great job of coming back to 7-6 at the end. And yeah, just a bit of better execution at the start. And they would have had them even though before we said Denmark really hard to beat, practically mm. impossible for us. Yeah, that's Jonathan Valant. He's uh, he's been very good at the junior level, um, as I'm sure Jonathan can attest to. And uh, even like um, I think at the the Danish like men's level tournaments, I think he does really well. Even yeah, they're a very good team, um, and they're still they're also very young. <laughs> like they're uh, so yeah. they they probably got five, four or five years left of juniors. So I they'll they'll definitely be going up soon. I mean, they could have gone up this year for sure, but uh, yeah, this year. Well, there were a lot of good teams. Yeah, there's the I think the Japanese group, team was a bit crazy. Yeah, and also <laughs> the Italian team is really good. Uh, yeah, Italian the, team is very good. The Czech team is really good. Their skipper Chabichowski is very very good. I played him this year in uh, Czech Republic, hmm. and yeah, they're a really good team and also really young. As his coach says, he's a, a the Czech Bruce Mawat. Oh really? Oh, whoa, that's high praise wow, that's... from 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 Brad. You mean for Brad Askew? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. oh, that's 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 very high praise then. Yeah. So yeah, they they're a good team, and also yes, the Japanese. But I was waiting for the Japanese for the playoffs before I wouldn't judge them because the last <laughs> few years. they went unbeaten through the group and then they lost in the playoffs. So they, I want to, I said. Yeah, I that was yeah. a different skip though. That was Go Aoki. That was team. that was yeah. the one. Go Aoki was the one that would go undefeated in um, in the round robin and then lose in the first round. This kid, uh, Maeda Takumi, uh, he finished second at Japanese men's nationals last year and should 
should have won. And on top of that, uh, pay attention to the world qualifier because he beat all those other men's teams in Japan again. He's the Japanese representative at the world Ooh. qualifier. Yeah. So he might as well stay here. Yeah, I think they are. I mean, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll say I've been, I've been keeping with uh, like six years keeping stats. So I've got like basically everyone we've played for the last six years. We've, you know, we've played like Ross White once. We've played uh, played Cammy Bryce. Like we've played like very good teams, like top. Well, Ross White's like, this is junior Ross White, not present Ross White, but even back then he was pretty good. And this was honest. First of all, this is the highest statistical game I've ever tracked, like ever of any junior team. And it was a very high degree of difficulty. Like there were a few, there were a few shots they made that were just like, I I remember just one point Joe just looked at me and rolled his eyes. Just like, (laughs) what are you going to do? It's like, they were, they were next level. Um, So the, I mean, the Maeda team I'd say is is one for anyone listening to watch out for, for sure. Yeah. I was watching two games of them and they were so good. And also they they just throw so hard that they caught, but our Japanese team I've seen, they, they were doing that. Yeah. We were, uh, we were using the stopwatch on our phone to track their, their takeouts. It's like nothing, below, <laughs> nothing over seven seconds, hook, hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think this, the difference is this team has very good, like very, very good touch also. Like they're very precise in their draws, yeah. which, um, and they were a bit more aggressive, whereas previous... The, pre- the previous Japanese teams were very defensive, which I think kind of bit them in the playoff rounds, whereas this team was quite comfortable with rocks in play. Yeah, I was yeah. just yeah. The, the, what I yeah. saw of them was very impressive. Stefan, t- tell us about uh, the future for your junior team, and then also your your men's team. Um, kind of what your ambitions are, and what your what your goals are for hopefully the next year, where we can actually do some curling uh, and not have stuff canceled. Just a uh, the, the, the goals for your junior team, the goals for your men's team, and how you're going to accomplish them. Yeah, it would be nice to actually <laughs> have all the tournaments next year. Uh, but yeah, for the juniors, for the the guys' team, I don't know, really. They're, they are a team for the junior championship, but they're not a team for other things. So we'll see. They, it will probably be the same team minus our third he he might play, he might not, I don't know. Because he has a lot of uni work and we'll see. And he'll see if, if he has time and effort for it, yeah. But it can get a lot. And uh, the rest will be the same, but we'll just train a bit in the summer and um, maybe go to one or two tournaments with that team. For the girls, uh, it's more of a team. They are all still juniors and they are all playing together everything. So all the tournaments and they're more of a compact team or a proper team if you look at that way. So to them, I hope we would be able to do like a whole preparation cycle for the for the next year. And they, they, they really improved a lot this summer. I was really proud of them. And if they have one more year, um, even though they're really disappointed now, with the cancellation, I I hope they can get to a high level next year. And because in the junior girls, I think it's it's a possibility to make a huge jump with us because the last few years weren't the best. And I think if with two years off, if they do something, uh, then come back strong. I think they could surprise and do a lot of good. And with the men's, I don't really know. <laughs> Um, we, we don't have a team at the time anymore Mm. because uh, we split up after the, 
the qualifier, uh, there's two of us left. The other said they'll focus on other things, maybe a bit of mixed, maybe um, uni or work. So um, I don't know. I have to find the team now, <laughs> at least two players that will be will be um, prepared to risk some uh, money and especially time to train enough and go around for the tournaments. And I hope I find people who are prepared to work hard because. I don't care how good they are. I just care if they want to train. Because I know I can be a bit much to my teammates. <laughs> because I push for a lot. I want to go to the Olympics. So I, ex- I train 10 times a week. I expect others to train at least half of that. and Because that's in the summer, four times a week, curling six times a week. Uh, physical training, otherwise six times a week, still physical training, the rest two or times of the ice or whatever. But yeah, I expect a lot and I can be petty sometimes to people who don't do what I expect <laughs> in the effort wise <laughs> and uh, stuff. I'm I'm not hard on people for not hitting that shots, but I'm, I'm hard on people for not putting in the effort or even if they are doing their best, but I just don't live for curling. I really do live for curling, and that's what uh, the point for me is. Even though I have uni, I have work, I curling is in the first place for me, and it's hard to find people that actually want to do to put curling in the first place. I know a lot of smaller countries like they they kind of find their path through mixed doubles to the Olympics. Have you looked at doing that at all? Or uh, yes, I I wanted to play mixed doubles in the past. But one year it was cancelled. Even before that, we were, I have a friend from, we were in school together. We were in kindergarten together and then in school together. Uh, she also plays curling and we wanted to play in five years, six years back the, the mixed. And we were good enough at the time to win the, the mixed doubles. That if we would have a good tournament. But my teammate wouldn't allow me. He said, I'll be betting normal curling. I wasn't on board with that, but I was not allowed to play it at the time. <laughs> then I said, yeah, I'll play it. Uh, then she didn't have time and it was canceled the last uh, year before. This year, we didn't know what's happening and it was a lot of things at the time because if it's end of May, it's the same time as finals. So problem, but I hope I'll play this year with her. If not with someone else, and yeah, I coach the junior girls team now. So if nothing else, I'll play with one of them. And even later, I'll I'll see who I'll play with. But I'll sure go to that because it's easier to find one person who is wanting to do that much and train that much than to find three or four. So I'm definitely looking at mixed doubles, and I have to try my luck in this. Yeah, I would love to win the the, the nationals this year in mixed doubles. So what what plans does the Slovenian Curling Federation have to to grow its members? What do you guys try to do and are you going to try to take advantage of I mean is there any is there such a thing as the Olympic bump in Slovenia will you get some people out there trying the sport after after the the Olympics in Beijing? Well, there's a bit but um definitely less than in our countries because here it's we'll see if it in if it will will be on TV. Mm. That's the problem. In Slovenian, it sh- it should be a Euro sport, but in art, maybe a few highlights and maybe a game or two. 
in some stupid uh, night times or something. <laughs> uh, and I hope, yeah, there'll be a bit of it, but we try to have like open doors days. So let people come in, uh, try curling. We have every an annual um, charity curling event in our, our town. We had this year, we had 20, 25 teams of mostly non curlers oh, wow. trying and it's like 10 euro per person and it's for charity and usually it was during the night this year it was during the day so some people maybe come from here and with it's hard to get people to play if a you don't have coaches always people come to train but no one works with them really well, not a lot thing is in Isnice we had have two times per week one hour and a half if i work with others i can't work for myself if we would have it more often i could work with others sometimes sometimes of myself or if we would have it like it's in uh Ljubljana, where it's three hours or four hours of the ice on mondays you can do it you can train with others and then do your your stuff and i think we need at least one coach who will be paid to be a coach and be able to coach everyone all the teams coach new people just to get them started and also the problem is you need four people if two people come it's hard to just put them somewhere it's hard to have fun if you don't play especially at the start but um yeah, we do try to get people through those events, but somebody has to work with them. Because as I've heard in Ljubljana, when people come to try curling, nobody is really interested to help them. And that's definitely hurting us. But then we also have like a debate. What should we go for heights or high results or fits of a lot of people? But you don't have one without the other. I don't think because people will come to to curling when they see results and see us on TV. Because when the ski jumpers are good, we get a lot of new ski jumpers. Hmm. When the cyclists are good, now there's a lot of new cyclists. Because people say, "Oh, look, mom, I'm walking, watching this on TV. I want to be like that as well." If you're not on TV, if you're not good enough, if you're not on the news, nobody will say, "I want to be there as well." If there's nowhere to imagine yourself being. So we need that, but to get that, you need to have the players. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's a it's a cursed circle, but yeah. Is it a situation in Slovenia? It almost sounds like there there aren't a lot of people that do stuff like recreationally. It's like if you're going to do something, you're going to like. It seems like there's a lot of competitive desire um, in Slovenia that you do want to be competitive at at something you try. Like for you, ski jumping. It sounds like is there just is there is it a situation where you're just not going to get a bunch of people who are just going to come out and do it recreationally and just have fun? Is it like, like, is there, a, you know, is it mostly competitive people that are going to get into a sport? Uh, no, no, not really. In curling okay. also, there's three, maybe four competitive teams. There are others okay. are recreational teams, but always, if it's a kid, mm-hmm. he'll say every kid's dreams of being at the Olympics or something. Mm-hmm. Then when you try the sport, you see your level, you just do it for fun. But if you look at like this, at start, I wanted to try ski jumping. 
not because of results. It was okay. it just looked fun. Okay. But if it's if curling's not on TV, you can't even say it looks fun because you never see it. There's so many people in Slovenia who've never seen curling, doesn't know, don't know how mm-hmm. curling works, don't know anything about it, and they won't until it's on TV or more accessible or pushed up. But even if they come, we have to work with people that come to trainings. You can't just leave them for them own and just let them be. You have to work with them. But we we need people who will do that. So it'd be like almost right. if almost if you guys were able to even just create a program that anyone could teach anybody curling, like just have a manual of this is how you teach or learn to curl kind of thing. Everybody knows how to teach. You don't need a lot to teach. You just yeah. show them and tell them the basics. If someone's really interested and then starts to come, someone better will do with them. But just to teach them the basics, everybody knows how to teach the basics. But you just need people to have the energy to do that. Okay. And also, yes, it's very hard to attract people without actually having set times for trainings because they don't give mm-hmm. us set times for trainings because of yep. uh, of um, because of hockey. So we need yep. a curling sheet. When we have curling guys, we can attract people because they can come whenever. It's not just Friday nights when everybody goes partying in here and it's not monday nights when people just can't want to go to sleep after a long day working or in school it has to be afternoons during the week and it has to be in the morning of the of the weekends we need time to teach people not uh, in hours that people actually want to come not stupid hours that we have yeah that's what that's what uh fred from estonia told us when we had him on was it was kind of a we know that if we build it they will come so they put in yeah they 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 built a very nice facility and you've seen i mean you've seen what the estonian women's and mixed doubles teams have done internationally and you've seen uh how many more people are curling in estonia now even the the wheelchair team in estonia is doing amazing exactly all you need is a hole it can be two sheets it can be two sheets. And then people will come either from interest of curling to see what it is, either like they go to bowling, so just have fun, or to try and compete. And also with this, we'll get a better level of national teams and we'll get more people. So this is the simplest solution. Get an ice ring and then get one coach who will be there and work with people. That's all we need. And then do you know, do you know uh, what the current state is of any efforts to get that done in Slovenia? Is it even on, uh, on the radar in Slovenia to try to get that done? Yeah, yeah I mean, we had about um, 15 supposed um, curling holes already. None of them actually panned out. <laughs> oh, no. So, hmm. so we, we, now when they say there will be a hole there, there, I was just like, yeah. When they start building it, I'll believe it. But I think at the moment that's around three plans. One is in Valenia, who is far for everyone because it's just, again, not anyone is close to that. And two are in Ljubljana, which is in the middle of the country. It's the biggest city, so that's where it should be. And if we get one in Ljubljana, and that's where all of us, most of us study as well, so... That would be the plan, but there's two plans, and 
I don't believe anyone will work out until we start uh, the machines. The machines start digging, and I, mm. I, I see it with my own eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stefan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Just everyone, stay safe, have fun, and come to Slovenia. It's really beautiful. Thank you for listening to Rocks Across the Pond, a curling podcast. If you enjoyed this show, we ask you to please leave a review or tell a friend about us. Your referrals to friends and family are the greatest compliment we can receive and is what allows our show to grow and share our love of this great game. You can find all of our past shows and blog posts at rocksacrossthepond.com. If you have a question or comment, you can reach us at rocksacrossthepond at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to us, and we will talk to you again real soon.